Well, good morning. <laughs> this is already going off the rails. <laughs> Yesterday, when I was in Gatekeepers, I just felt wrecked, and I wondered what that was all about. And there's something that struck me this morning as we were worshiping the song. He's a wonder-working God. And it just pierced my heart that there are people in here that wonder, what would God do for me? I've gone too far. It's too big of an issue. There's no hope for me. I don't know who that's for. Maybe that's for me. But I'm here to challenge you that he's a wonder-working God. Do you wonder what he would do for you? Stop wondering and believe him. Trust him. Whatever you have in your life that's hindering you, tell him. He knows. He loves you. Believe him because he wants to do it for you. I'm here to share what traditionally has been called a giving nugget. This is more like a bag of rocks. I'm not going to be throwing any stones at anybody, but I hope you still have it in your heart to love me after we're done. I have a lot of information here, limited amount of time. So I'm going to race through this as quickly as I possibly can. Many of you know I'm the administrator here at the church. To assist me in my role as the administrator, I subscribe to different resources for ideas and guidance. One such service that I follow is Smart Church Management. In its March 1st email, I read the following. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years and has impacted all of us. Home budgets are squeezed. Sacrificial giving is difficult for many. Rising interest rates make borrowing more expensive and price increases have become challenging to us all. In a lot of ways, it feels like 2008 when the bubble of prosperity popped and those who had no cushion fell and fell hard. Well, isn't that good news? It sounds like that we should all curl up in the fetal position in the cellar until this twister of financial turmoil passes by, if it passes by at all. Who can say? God can say. And here's a story from his word that I want to share with you. It's found in Genesis chapter 26. I'm going to be borrowing or paraphrasing from six different verses, so please follow me. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and Gerar. It was then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down into Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. 
Now, some key points to consider here. Easy relatable to a financial situation or any other. Famine. Famine is a type for lack. Lack of any kind and not unlike any of the lack that Abraham encountered. The land. In this context, it is a troubled land, but it's the land in which Isaac was currently dwelling. As such, Isaac began to move out of the land, and I assume it was to escape the famine, to escape his lack. But before he could get out, the Lord appeared to him and told him, do not go down to Egypt. And Egypt is a type for following into the world system, doing things the world's way, following the world's logic, or even carnal logic. It's the world's way of doing things. I would encourage you, stop doing things the world's way. It's interesting to note that Isaac's father Abraham once moved out of the land that he once dwelt in, but he did so because God told him to. Here, God directs Isaac to dwell in the land, the very land that he was trying to escape, the land that God had appointed unto him where he said he would be with him and bless him because God had not forgotten his covenant, the promises that he made to Abraham. Dwell means stay, stay put. And I believe that this is an important point. Do not move into something because of what God told others to do. He has a purpose and a plan specifically for you. So seek him first and trust his direction for you. He told Abraham to go. He told Isaac to stay. The key, obedience. As a result, we learned that an obedient Isaac sowed and reaped in the land that God told him to live in. A land of famine, but the same land that he promised he would be with him in and bless him in. And as a result, he realized a great harvest in the same season of famine. But that wasn't the end of it, for he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. Respectfully, lovingly, may I ask you, are you trying to escape lack? Are you trying to escape a financial situation, a problem, or the land that you're currently in? Are you planning to run from a relationship, a home, a job, a church, from God? At the very moment I was writing this, I believe it was Holy Spirit instructing me to encourage you, hold fast. Psalm 46.10 says in part, be still and know I am God. Simply put, trust God in all things. As I was putting these notes together, I heard this question as well. When was the first time of the principle of sowing and reaping? When did it first come to light in the scriptures? Well, I found out it was here. When was the first time the principle of tithe was mentioned? It was earlier in Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. It was Isaac's father Abraham that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham, Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Coincidence? I don't think so. God used these two men and their circumstances to reveal these two foundational principles related to finances, related to giving. It's not lost on me here, and I pray it's not lost on you either, 
But it's apparent that when we are obedient, when we are responsible and trustworthy with all that God has blessed us with, first with the tithe, and secondly with sowing and reaping or offerings and giving, God is faithful to us in such an abundant way. He prospers us. But the key to all of this is simply trusting God. In his book, God's Heart for Giving, Bob Yandian writes, giving begins with the tithe. Tithing did not begin and end with the law. It was here before the law and is still here today after the law. Regarding times of famine or lack, Bob also writes, during famine, do not quit giving into God's work. In other words, don't eat your seed. You're only going to have fewer meals. Continue to sow in patience. That's an exercise in trust. Knowing that each dollar you give, you will receive back many times over. And continue to be faithful to give. Sowing or giving is a means for the Lord to bless you now and later in coming and inevitable difficult times. Remember, first comes the tithe, then sowing and reaping. Both are principles of God which cannot fail. There are no religious laws governing them. They are an act of obedience regarding the Lord's direction for our lives. Both principles predate the law and are still relevant today. These are truth, foundational principles supporting financial blessing, stability, and prosperity. If you don't believe me, then listen to this, possibly the most quoted and familiar verse regarding the tithe. It's found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The um, contemporary English version, I think, says it best. I am the Lord all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Bring the entire 10th, the 10% into the storehouse, so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of the heavens and flood you with blessing after blessing. God's people are instructed, even challenged, to bring 10% of the income to the storehouse, which is the local church to build up provisions so that we could do the work that he has purposed for us to do. As a result, you will be blessed abundantly and you will have a hand in the work of this ministry for we are charged to fund ways that build the ministry to more effectively grow his church. Have you ever noticed the short phrase that's on the wall above the doors to the sanctuary? It's in the front lobby. It says this, leading people to life in Jesus. This is our God-given vision statement, and our mission to accomplish it is multidisciplined. Prior to 2020, pre-COVID, it was arguably a more comfortable time. And for us, we did church in a relatively standard fashion, meaning we had our regular schedule of services, and those were traditionally in-house. Yet, we did big events, like the Passion Play, like Return to Bethlehem, and other special services throughout the year, as well as hosting a concert or two. Then came the pandemic, and early on, we were negatively impacted to the point that we halted our in-house services, but for a very short time. We did not stop seeking the Lord, however, on how to manage those times, and as a result, God showed us new ways for continuing on in our mission so that his vision, the vision he gave us, would be realized. He brought to us the right people. He arranged for us to acquire the right tools to build an online presence that today has a much broader following than we could ever manage to serve in this place. 
Our most recent statistics show that since 2020, we have created more than 375 videos with more than 361,000 total views. And with our current view rate, we may have more than 540,000 total views by the end of this year, crossing the borders of more than 44 countries globally, even with Facebook's additional reach. <clears throat> In addition to our nearly 2,000 YouTube subscribers, we have nearly 5,800 followers on Facebook and nearly 1,200 followers on Instagram. Our Facebook account has reached nearly 96,000 folks and nearly 17,000 more on Instagram in just the last 90 days. So what do all these statistics tell us? They tell us that this little church here in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, is having a global impact on thousands of lives with this gospel of Jesus Christ. We are literally leading people to life in Jesus. My deodorant has failed. But we didn't just explore online opportunities. We looked for other opportunities to preach the gospel. And although we could not present the Passion Play in 2020, God did give our team a new vision on how to present our annual Christmas special, Return to Bethlehem. So we built an entirely outdoor village for a self-guided, dramatic drive-through experience. And over the last three years, more than 3,300 cars drove through our little town of Bethlehem, where we handed out more than 9,600 cookie bags and 3,900 kids' treat bags. Unfortunately, we don't know how to measure how many lives were changed as a result of this great work. But the more important question is, how many lives would have remained darkened had we not done as the Lord showed us? As things loosened up from the grip of the pandemic, so did the constraints for how Word of Life would operate post-pandemic and how the greater community would receive us, clearly knowing where we stood on things. As such, our doors reopened, and we welcomed back many, if not most, of the faithful. But even more surprising was how many of those who came through those doors for the first time, new faces, many of which are still here with us today. Additionally, tour promoters began to call us and ask us if they could come here and minister to our greater community in the ways that they were commissioned to do so. All of this continues to this day and shows no sign of stopping. One of our favorites, Big Daddy Weave, was here in March. The Power and Love Tour with Todd White was here earlier in May. And the impact of that weekend is still reverberating through our local and our online community today. There have been more than 17,000 views of the two Sunday services where Todd ministered here at Word of Life. Next, Dan Muller will be here in mid-July, and I'm certain that there will be more special events coming throughout the year. The special thing about all of that, folks, is that they are asking to come here and minister the gospel. As we reopened the doors, I'm pretty sure it became apparent to you that the technology being used to produce our in-house services had begun to take on a new look, and those investments are continuing today and are necessary to meet the needs of our online presence as well as what we are capable of here to support our efforts 
and assist others who come here to minister. But more so, these investments help us to build and elevate our complete praise and worship experience. And one of the primary drivers for investing in production technology is this. All of us are benefiting from the beautiful spirit-filled, man, that wrecks me every time I see it. Benefiting from the beautiful spirit-filled praise and worship that's coming from this platform. And there's one very important thing we all need to recognize here. Two-thirds of those musicians and singers are kids, 15 to 20 years of age. Don't tell me the gospel's not reaching young people. The gospel is not lost on them, and they are going to take this church into the future. These kids have been taught how to hone their God-given gifts by faithful, trusted leaders here who saw their budding capabilities and taught them from the time that they were small children how to use those talents for praise and worship to glorify God. These are wonderful, teachable young people we can all be proud of. And investing in them and this process is the right thing to do. Since we reopened the doors for live services, our average attendance on Sunday mornings has consistently grown. For example, our first quarter attendance grew by more than 11%, 2022 over 2021. In 2023, that has grown another 24% over 2022, and this trend is continuing. Why? How? Because I believe it's because Pastor Tom would not yield to worldly pressures. That he would rather follow the Lord's leading. And no matter what harm the enemy would try to throw our way, he trusted that God was going to turn it for good. And God did. And God will continue to do so. <laughs> Regarding the Passion Play. This year alone, our YouTube promo for The Passion garnered more than 27,000 views that surely helped more than 4,100 people to come out and watch this incredible live drama of the life, the crucifixion, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And more than 4,700 views of those two plays have been viewed since then. Even more incredible... 183 of those who attended asked for the packet to learn more about being a born-again believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another key aspect of how Word of Life refused to surrender in those dark days was by remaining faithful to our commitment to our ministry plan, specifically to our many missionaries around the world. And in numerous instances, instances our support for them increased. We believe missionary support is a large part of what we are called to do for preaching the gospel, leading people to life in Jesus. Last year, we sowed nearly $195,000 into missionaries and another $145,000 combined in support of helps and outreach ministries. This year's ministry plan has similar investments, and that money is already being dispersed. Why all these specific details? Why all these statistics? It's simple. 
regardless of the time, the season, our current condition, our economy, the difficulties of the day, we firmly believe in what the Word of God has to say about remaining faithful to the work that He has set before us. We are committed to His vision, the vision He has given us, and we are ever seeking ways to ensure that we are doing the work that He has called us to. In the book of Nehemiah, his enemies tried to reason with him concerning the daunting, nearly impossible task that Nehemiah and his, his friends were called to do. And though the pressures on him and all those who were called to assist him were very great, they recognized that they, who they were working for, for theirs was a mission from God. And so, even with his detractors, even when his detractors tried a softer approach to reason with him by saying, come, that we might meet together. We can work this out. Nehemiah boldly declined and said, I am doing a great work, so I am not able to come down to you. Why should this work cease while I leave it and come down to you? All of that to say this, word of life is pushing on in a very similar way. The work of the Lord here will not be impeded. The world, this culture cannot stop him so we will faithfully work as he has given us the vision and as he continues to reveal his ways, the mission can be accomplished, all the while providing the resources to fulfill our part of his great commission through faithful followers. Today, Word of Life's ministry plan incorporates ads and changes, significant investments necessary to move forward in the following areas. Life Kids Children's Ministry, to invest in WaveWalker audio, video, and Life Kids worship teams, development, a new preteen ministry, a classroom space for fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, curriculum and technology to help them, Life Students Ministry, the room needs to be refreshed, production needs to be lifted up, upgrades need to take place. That's the proving ground, the training ground for those who come and lead in this sanctuary. We have classroom needs all around the facility, possible front lobby and patio changes that may provide for a new coffee shop and a new bookstore experience, multiple resource room changes. We need help with the back lobby flooring, wave walker kitchen, dining room technology upgrades, the nursery refresh. Administration offices need change. They need refresh. We may have to restructure those. Campus-wide IT infrastructure transformation in other words, our current tech tool set is causing us more problems and solutions. Investments in church operational tools for upgrades, implementation, and even training. Significant changes to the sanctuary, production tools, wall and ceiling repair that you probably see around you right now. We may be changing out the seating and the flooring, and that changes for lifts. All these things are important for moving the ministry forward. We have general and specific electrical power needs all over the, the building, all over the facility. Completion of our new pole building on the back of the property, as well as driveway and parking lot work that would need to be done. Safety and security upgrades, including security cameras to secure the facility, plus training, emergency aids, and site plans. As you can imagine, all of this comes at a price. And for all we plan to do over the next two years, these projects and more could run $1.75 to $2 million. The good news is we could very well move forward judiciously over the next three to five years, and we could pay cash as we go, not have to borrow at all. But we do not see where depleting our cash reserves is the most responsible thing that we should do. However, we do believe that the time to reinvest 
is right now. So this is the part where we can all get involved. As just stated, we would like to pay cash as we move from one project to the next. But in essence, it basically means incorporating a plan where we borrow from ourselves. So we would like to fine tune and rev up the engine of our building forward giving vehicle. We ask you to get on board as faithful investors of all that God has given us insight for by first being faithful with the tithe, then by offerings and giving above and beyond. Your calmness and quietness, I'm going to say this. I'll ask the question. So Jim, was this all just a push for money? If you choose to think that's what all this was about, then respectfully I say you're missing the point. The point is this. Lack has no place in a Christian's life, regardless of the situation or the season that we find ourselves in. Be faithful with all that the Lord has blessed you with and watch him increase you in ways and measures that you have never seen or known before. Maybe it's best if I just let his words be my closing remarks. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11, the voice translation. I will say this to encourage your generosity. The one who plants little, harvests little. The one who plants plenty, harvests plenty. Giving grows out of the heart. Otherwise, you've reluctantly grumbled, yes, because you felt you had to or because you couldn't say no. But this isn't the way God wants it. For we know that God loves a cheerful giver. God is ready to overwhelm you with more blessings than you could ever imagine so that you'll always be taken care of in every way and you'll have more than enough to share. Remember what it is written about the one who trusts in the Lord. He scattered abroad. He gave freely to the poor. His righteousness endures throughout the ages. The same one who has put seed into the hands of the sower and brought bread to fill our stomachs will provide and multiply the resources you invest and produce an abundant harvest from your righteous actions. You will be made rich in everything so that your generosity will spill out in every direction. Through us, your generosity is at work, inspiring praise and thanksgiving to God. I want to thank you all, and God bless you all. I could have listened to that for another half an hour to an hour. Just passionate, Jim. Thank you so much for your word. I got to thinking about our own children, my wife and I. We have two sons. And as I thought about them, even this morning, how they've been blessed far beyond uh, what we were at, our, at, at their particular age. And that just so blesses me. And I'm thinking that shows the heart of our Heavenly Father for His children. How He longs to bless you, longs to bless you, longs to bless you. He's provided healing and prosperity and favor. Not in order that we can just hoard things unto ourselves. But in order that we can sow into other people's lives. We can sow into ministries. We can send the gospel around the world and that's what you are doing and I thank you church thank you so much 
for your faithfulness and your commitment for believing in our vision here at Word of Life Church. God bless you. We appreciate you and love you so very, very much. When I stop and think that me as an earthly father with faults and issues, not many, but faults, <laughs> uh, I have more than I wish that I had. The point is, when I see my children, our children, being blessed as an earthly father, I'm thinking of the goodness of our heavenly father and how he longs to pour out favor and blessing and goodness upon his children. As we walk in obedience to his word, that honors him. Even as I thought what Jim had mentioned about Melchizedek and Abram, we see a picture of the New Testament church there. Abram being the father of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God is what the author of Hebrews says. We walk by faith. We live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what God has said. Faith in what God has spoken. We are moved by that in our spirit. And we bring our soul and our flesh into subjection to what we know is right and godly and holy. I believe that we are in a new phase here at Word of Life. What Todd White and his ministry deposited in this ministry has just been unprecedented. The testimonies that continue to roll forth are just absolutely amazing. The people, lives that have been changed for the glory of God. There has been a greater fire ignited within our ministry and I'm so blessed so highly favored to know that, that I appreciate so much what God has done. And it reminded me of a dream that I had several months ago, maybe a year and a half ago. The dream was that there was a fire started by someone. I didn't know who. And initially, I tried to put out the fire because I was afraid of the fire. I was afraid of the fire, but the fire could not be put out. The fire continued to grow. And in my heart to protect from the fire, was the fire dangerous? I couldn't put the fire out. The next thing I realized, the fire began to spread. And even afar off, I looked into a valley and all of a sudden a tree burst into flame of fire. And I'm thinking that's exactly what has happened recently with Todd White and his ministry that has come here to Word of Life Church. A fire has been ignited. A fire that perhaps at one time in my life I was afraid of. Afraid things would get out of control. Afraid that perhaps the fire would offend people. But if it's the fire of God and people are offended by it, that's their problem, not ours. We want the fire of Almighty God. And I came to the realization also, and you've heard me use this illustration on various levels at di different times, that we have a wood burner in our home. And I could go home right now because I'm sure there's some old coals in the, uh, in the uh, wood burner. And I could go there and I could blow on those coals and blow on those coals till I passed out. 
Why? Because there's no life there. There's no fire there. Nothing. But if I would ignite one of those coals and then begin to put all the other cold coals on top of it and blow on that, it would be no time at all before there would be a fire in that wood burner that would bring forth warmth and comfort. And I'm thinking that's exactly what the Holy Spirit has done here at Word of Life. There was a fire here at Word of Life, but we needed, we wanted, we longed for the Holy Spirit to blow on that fire, to ignite that fire to a greater, greater degree. And that's exactly what he has done. We heard of testimonies, of healings, but nothing like we're hearing today. I think of a young lady, and this was just given to me this morning. She had an open vision. This is a young teenage girl, an open vision, a girl here at Word of Life Church on the worship team. I'm leaving names out for a reason. She had an open vision about her friend having an eating disorder. In the vision, she saw her friend seeing seeing her reflection in the windows and hating herself. She told God, I never see my friend, so you will have to work this out. So the Lord combined their gym classes and the kids were told to just walk, just walk around the gym. So this young lady from our ministry confronted her friend about her vision. The girl said, said she did have an eating disorder order. And that morning she saw her reflection in the window and hated what she saw. This young lady was touched by the spirit of God from word of life, just actually read her mail. Then she led her to Jesus Christ right there in the gym class at Lake Jove High School. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think of other testimonies that have come in. If you were here at the Todd White conference, there was a young man that's sitting right down here. In fact, he's sitting right there now, if I'm not mistaken. He had a cast on his arm. Could you stand up just for a moment? He had a cast on his arm. Todd prayed for him, told him to remove the cast. He got down on the floor, if I remember right, and did push-ups on that arm that had a cast on it, totally healed. I asked him this morning, how's the arm? Great, doing great. God is awesome. God is awesome. Thank you. Another woman told me, and I shared this on a Wednesday night, that the doctors had told her she needed brain surgery. And of course, that would be terrifying to any normal human being. She came to me about a week later. People prayed for her, spoke the healing power of God over her. She came to me about a week later and she said, I went back to the doctor. They said, there's no need for brain surgery. No need. A young girl out of our Wave Walker ministry, Wave, Wave Walker Village, these are just children. She came to me on Wednesday night, I believe it was, and she said, Pastor Tom, I received my prayer language. That is just absolutely awesome. These young children being filled with the Holy Spirit 
Can you imagine what they will be when they become teens and into their uh, adults if that fire is continually blown on by the Holy Spirit? Wonderful and glorious things. But you are making that happen. And I thank you so much for it. I think of others that have uh, a dear sister in our church whose knee was bothering her, her so greatly that she could barely walk on her leg. And one of our volunteers here that happened to be here at the time she was here knelt down and laid his hands on her knee and spoke the healing virtue of Almighty God. She said she felt a burning sensation, fire, coming into that knee. And it was healed. It was healed. God is doing some glorious and awesome things. And I guess what my heart's desire, my heart's desire is to continue to invite the Holy Spirit to blow with the breath of God upon our ministry continually. That every one of us would get ignited with the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. I had the privilege of being at dinner with Todd White on Friday evening. And I just, it just, there was just something in me, and I'm not normally like this, as far as someone I don't even really know. I just felt this urge just to continue to touch him on the shoulder. And I believe what the Spirit of God was saying, I want to do a work in you, Tom. I want to do a work in you. I want to do it. I want to ignite a greater fire within you. And I long for that. And I want that. And I pray you desire that. Is it dangerous? Yes, I tell you, it is dangerous. Will people possibly mock you, make fun of you? Yes, they possibly will. But what is more important, your obedience to the Lordship of Jesus Christ or your pride? What's more important to us as a body of believers? I tell you, a church this size, and we're not a huge church, we're not a mega church, but a church this size, I tell you, could not only change this community or these surrounding communities, not only change and make a difference, even in our state, as God raises up people, puts them in key positions, in political positions, people who are in fire for the things of God, people who walk in holiness and righteousness before the living God, and put them in key positions you know, on school boards and in political arenas. People who are unashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that fire continues to spread. Whether you realize it or not, or whether they realize it or not, there's something within the world, if they have any sense of godliness about them at all, there's something in the, in the people of the world. They long to have what you have. They long to have the peace of God that passes all understanding like you have. They long to have the assurance, the understanding that when they breathe their last breath, a heart beats its last beat, that they will be in the very presence of Almighty God and be received of him. And the very thing that they endeavor to deny the presence of God, the power of God, the goodness of God, just simply tells me that they're trying to cover up something that they cannot run from. They cannot run from it. 
The word of God tells us in the book of Romans that nature itself teaches us of the goodness of God, the favor of God, and the presence of Almighty God. And there's something within every person, whether they acknowledge it or deny it, there's something within every person that knows that there is a God and there is a judgment. God has instilled that within them, within them. And if they would be willing to drop the barriers and drop their pride, drop their ambition, they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Spirit of God using you and using me to bring people to Christ. I started a message a number of, of, of weeks ago. Actually, it was before Todd White even came here. And it wasn't, of course, only Todd White. It was his team. His team that would just fill it up so much with the goodness of God, the favor of God, the power of God. And I started on this message because something was stirring in me. And it was out of the book of Acts, the first two chapters of Acts. And I saw what had happened when believers who were passive, lacking, doubting the disciples. I saw what they were before the Holy Spirit took hold of them and what they were after the Holy Spirit took hold of them. And his presence, his anointing, his fire makes a difference within our lives. And he will continue to do that. I went to Acts chapter 1 verses 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. That is huge. He gave them a word. It was up to them whether they would be obedient to that word or not. Do not depart from Jerusalem, but Wait for the promise of the Father. Well, how long do we have to wait? I don't know. What's the promise of the Father going to look like? You'll find out. You'll find out. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Jesus spoke to them about the power of the Holy Spirit oftentimes. And yet because of the hardness of their hearts, and Jesus even said that the disciples were hard of heart because they could not take in the miracles that he performed. You've heard of me speak of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said. You've heard me speak of the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus went on to say, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, look at their mentality. Look where their thoughts were. Look what their, what their agenda was. It was so far beneath what God had in store for them. They were still focused on worldly issues, worldly kingdoms. They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel Jesus, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. He said to them, and it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, 
But here's one thing you do need to know. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And with that power, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And I tell you that fire is still spreading in every believer, in every church that will say, Holy Spirit, have your way within my life. Do what you desire to do. Shake me for your glory. Use me, oh God. Here am I. Send me. Send me. And I tell you, if we catch that vision, church, if we will allow the Spirit of God to blow on us with his presence, that fire within us will continue to burn hotter and hotter and hotter because of the lordship of Jesus Christ. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. There was a latter-day outpouring that began there in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came and baptized the believers that truly followed the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ, stayed in Jerusalem. Well, why does it have to be in Jerusalem? Why can't I stay in Nazareth? What about Bethlehem? There's so many other cities. But that's not where the anointing of God was being poured out. He gave specific instruction, stay in Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And they could have rationalized the goodness of God. They could have rationalized the promise of God and totally missed out on the blessing of Almighty God. I think of a prophet by the name of Elijah. And there was a great famine in the land. In fact, it was a famine that Elijah himself spoke to King Ahab, who was a very, very, very wicked king over Israel. God promised Elijah that he would supernaturally feed him. He would supernaturally bring water to him. And he spoke to him in 1 Kings chapter 17, starting at verse 1. When Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I, listen to that, the boldness of this prophet, until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Now go to the east and hide at Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. The New King James says, I have commanded them to feed you there. Not here, not over there, but there is where I commanded the ravens to feed you. Once again, Elijah could have rationalized the blessing of God right out of his life. The famine that was in the land was so severe 
The cattle perished. People were dying of starvation. It was a horrific time in the land of Israel. And God gave specific instructions to Elijah. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure that you have food. I looked at this and I pondered and I thought about a raven. I thought a raven is a scavenger bird. But I wanted to make sure of that so I looked it up on the internet. Now we know that everything on the internet is absolutely true. And the internet said that yes, the raven is a scavenger bird. Personally, I don't know if I would want to be fed by the ravens with roadkill. <laughs> Who knows what they brought to Elijah? But it was because it was the blessing and the favor by the hand of Almighty God that he knew it would be okay. So God told him, go. The ravens will feed you. Drink from the brook, Kareth. For I've commanded the ravens to bring you food there. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. I tell you, church, it is so crucial and so important that we hear the voice of God collectively and individually because God is speaking. He's declaring where his outpouring will be, where his favor will be. And you can rationalize the favor and the miraculous. You can rationalize it away where literally, literally you will miss out on the favor and the blessing of God. I want you to go beside the Kareth Brook, not the Jordan, not the Euphrates River, not the Nile. I want you there at the Kareth, the brook called Kareth. Now rationalization would tell me that a river would be far less likely to dry up than a brook. But it was at the brook where God was going to perform the miraculous for Elijah. The Bible says that the brook dried up and then God gave him further instruction to go to the village of Zarephath. And he says, in that village of Zarephath, there is a widow who will feed you. Church, hear me. Hear me today. You want to be where the blessing of God is being poured out. You want to be where the favor of God is being poured out. You want the hand of God to rest upon your life day after day after day. And it can only be accomplished and it will only happen is if you're hearing the voice of God and you're moving in obedience to that voice. And when he speaks and says, go to the brook Kareth, it may not make any sense at all. But when God says, this is where I'm going to pour out my anointing. And if you want in the fire, you want in the flood, you want to be where God says, I'll pour out my anointing there. Our hearts need to long for a desire for the presence of Almighty God to burn hot within us. Jesus said, do not depart from Jerusalem. 
do not depart from Jerusalem. And it was a matter of 10 days, but they had no idea how long it would be. But it was a matter of 10 days after he ascended into heaven and when the Holy Spirit was poured out in, the, in Acts chapter 2. But they had no idea how long they, were have, they would have to wait. But it shows me their heart that they long for the presence of God. They long for the anointing of God. They long for the fire of God in their lives. And because of that, they stayed in Jerusalem whether it be 10 days, 20 days, or three months, whatever it would take, we will be obedient to the voice of Almighty God, for we know that where he commands the blessing, that's where the fire of God will fall. And we as God's people need to be totally open to hear his voice. I love one of the things that one of the men with Todd White said, don't ever say you don't hear the voice of God. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. And I want that voice to become so clear within my own soul. Within my own soul. Pushing out the things of the world. I understand it's a process. I understand it doesn't happen overnight. But I tell you, church, if we will just continue to yield ourselves. The things that we once involved ourselves in, we're pushing it away. The things that were sinful and were destructive in our life, we're pushing them away. And God sees a heart that is longing for his presence and for his anointing and for his fire. God sees it. God sees it. And I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, he will respond to it, a heart that is soft and pliable before him. In fact, the prophet said that God would remove that heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh that is open and receptive to all that God longs to do. Can you receive that today, church? <laughs> Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I continue to speak the favor, the blessing, the goodness of Almighty God, the fire of Almighty God out over this congregation. Those that are here in this sanctuary, those that are watching online, I speak the fire of God to be loose upon each and every one of us for the glory of God. I speak favor and blessing. I speak obedience over the children of God that we would hear the voice of God, be obedient to the voice of God, and then expect the goodness of God to be poured out in our lives, that the enemy would not be able to rob us of all that God longs to do in us. And I thank you now through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And if you've never made a commitment to Christ, please hear me in the next 60 seconds. Your eternity can change. If you've never received Christ, if you're not certain that you have eternal life, I read at the gatekeeper's meeting yesterday in closing, out of Revelation chapter 20, that all will stand before the great white throne of, judge, of judgment. And those whose names were not written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. 
What about you, dear one? What about you watching online? Do you have a relationship with Christ? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That question I pray will burn in your heart this morning. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, I encourage you to say this simple prayer with me. But you need to say it out of faith, out of commitment, out of dedication, out of the depths of your heart, crying out to Almighty God, your faith, His grace. And when the two connect, something wonderful and glorious happens. It's called salvation. It's called eternal life. A simple prayer of faith that says, Dear Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, my God, my Savior. From this day forward, I will serve you. I will live for you. You died for me. I give my life to you, Lord Jesus. And I believe by faith at this very moment I am born again in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful, wonderful name. And if you said that simple prayer by faith, I believe you just got saved. You just got born again. And right now, your name is being written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center out in the lobby and let them know you received Christ as your Savior. If you're watching online, write to us here at Word of Life, and we would be more than happy to get a packet out to you to help you get established in your walk and your relationship with Jesus Christ. We love you, church, and we bless you in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. By the way, Pastor Sheena had her baby boy. Um, personally, I was offended. She did not name him Thomas. She named him Joshua Aaron. I said, that's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I can get over it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So mother, baby, and dad are all doing fine, and we bless them in Jesus' name. Let's give a shout of victory on three. Don't forget about midweek service Wednesday evening. Pastor Sheldon has just been knocking it out of the park with his teaching on Wednesday night. So you want to be here. Here we go. One, two, three. Hallelujah. God bless you, dear ones. Have a wonderful, wonderful day in the Lord Jesus. Be blessed. Be a blessing.